With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. to the Short Porch Saloon. My name is Joel Penfield, joined as always by Philip Slavin. How'd that Bedlam sweep feel, man? Is that was that was some fun basketball. I mean, it's hard not it, it's not just that it was amazing. It's not just that it was unexpected. It just felt so damn good. And I and part of it was that it was unexpected. Like going into that, we talked about our predictions beforehand. We thought that they would get one of them. You thought they'd win one of the last four. I thought they would get one of the Baylor-West Virginia games. But we thought they'd get one. And when they got the one on the road, which was incredibly unexpected, to get the second one at home, you went in that night going, there's just no way. And I think it's one of those, I've become too cynical of OSU basketball because of how it's gone for so long. But for them to sweep OU, back-to-back games, twice in three days, close games, close them out in the way they did, I, 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 I'm still almost sitting here recording this on Wednesday night. I'm still almost kind of in disbelief that that's what really happened. You know, I, I'm kind of glad we're recording on Wednesday. We planned to record yesterday, but it didn't, it didn't quite work, uh, just timing-wise. And I'm glad we're recording that because I think my voice has finally come back. I was in GIA on Monday and I legitimately, like, I couldn't talk. My, I was, whatever came out, what my normal voice is, and my, I'm very loud when I talk. And it, like, I came out as a whisper, leaving GIA with my wife. And then I get up in the middle of the night to go get some water. Like, my throat hurts so bad. I get to work in the morning and, like, I couldn't, I still couldn't talk. And so I'm glad that I actually have my voice back a little bit, but man, it was, it's just special. And I think it shows where this team is at. And I'll, I'll just say the stat now where we can go kind of game by game. Just talk about Saturday and Monday, but Mike Boynton teams are 13 and four in the final two weeks of the year. And it's, that's over four years, four seasons of work. So that's a big enough sample that tells you, and I, I, I said it earlier this year, and I, I probably even said it last year as well. Mike Boynton teams, no matter how good or bad they are, or you know, roster-wise and everything else that he's had to deal with, they, have, they always speak at the right time. And that's what we're seeing right now is a team that is playing their best basketball when they need it the most. And these two wins just prove to you where they're at because OU is good. They're very good. They're right around the same. They're going to be a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. And they were playing some of their best basketball coming into this week, you know, albeit the, the, the inexplicable loss to K-State. 
But before that, I mean, they, they were hot. They were one of the hottest teams in the country. They were number seven in the country. And Oklahoma State just took it to them for two, for two games, back-to-back, and, and a grueling overtime game where Kay Cunningham plays 44 minutes, drops a 40-piece in Norman, one of the best Bedlam performances we've ever seen. It just willed Oklahoma State to a win. And I, we, we only have a few more games to talk about how much we love watching Kate Cunningham in an Oklahoma State jersey, so I'm going to take every opportunity that I can to, to talk about it because why, why wouldn't I? Did it ever feel when the game went to overtime, the ball was in his hands? Was there any doubt in your mind they were going to, that they weren't going to win that game? I just, I knew by about the five minute mark of the fourth quarter, whether it was overtime or in regulation, Kay Cunningham was going to will Oklahoma State to a win. And he did. It, it was, one of the more dominant performances in college basketball this season by a single, by a singular player, but one of the best bedlam performances in recent memory. You know, the way they've been playing to the end, at the end of this season. And, and really, I think since probably what the Kansas game where Again, the home game against Kansas back on January 12th. It was another game that had a big lead, and they'd blown the lead, right? And we were looking at another Texas, TCU, West Virginia situation where, oh, no, another blown lead. What are they going to do? And OSU turns it on, closes the game strong, and gets the win. Now, I'm not going to count the Baylor game that they had the lead blown. They were lucky to have a lead. They didn't have Cade. Like, set that game aside. Just don't just don't even, because Baylor was rolling at that point. You think about the Arkansas game. You think about the Texas game in double overtime. You think about blowing the lead, the big lead to Kansas State at home and having to close out. Back-to-back overtime games against Texas Tech and at Oklahoma, and then, of course, the, the home game against Oklahoma – this is a team loaded with freshmen and sophomores. And we said at the beginning of the season, they, they were going to have to grow up. It feels like they have because they are closing games out. I was talking with a buddy of mine. He's an Arkansas fan. We, we went to that Arkansas game together. And I was like, look, here's the thing that, that you, it's weird to feel about Oklahoma State basketball right now is if you're the opponent, you do not want to let Oklahoma State be within three to five of you in the last two minutes of the game because they're going to beat you because they have Cade Cunningham and the rest of the team is confident enough to help close games out. And that's what they've been doing. They've been closing games out. They don't have big dominant leads. I think this is what's hurting their metric numbers. If you look at Ken Palm and the net and why are they still so low when they have eight quad one wins? Cause they're not blowing anybody out. You, you, you know, even, even the good, the, the good teams all have, you know, like Illinois blowing out Michigan, they've gotten big wins, you know, double digit wins over quality teams. I wish you doesn't blow anybody out, but they don't need to because they can close out games and they have been doing it really for the past two months now. And they did it again. So your, your thoughts on overtime on the road game, when they went to overtime, I thought I didn't want to go to overtime because you're on the road but they had the momentum really carrying into there. And then they had it again on, on Monday night at home. And you thought, unless OU does something crazy here, and 
Reeves did for a brief moment. Like OSU should, is going to win these games. And that's a crazy thought, but that's how they've been playing. I think what we've seen the last couple of games speaks to the maturation of where this team is at. And you have some senior guys. You have Farron Flavors and Bryce Williams who've, who've had them in journeymen. They've played a lot of college basketball, but they're still new to this team and it took time for it to gel. You have a team just littered with freshmen and sophomores, as talented as they are. They're still a learning curve. But there were multiple times in both of those games where OU was able to take five, six, seven-point lead, go on a 9-10-0 run. And it just felt like at any point, the game absolutely could have gotten away from Oklahoma State. And they could have gotten run, off, run out of the gym. And it just never happened. Both times in, in each of those games where OU goes on a 7-8-0 run, Oklahoma State countered with a 9-10-0 run of their own just uh, immediately after. I think it was it was 64 to 58 on Monday night and OU was was just, had all the momentum. It just it just felt like it you could feel it even in GIA. Like you could tell that OU had taken a little bit of control from the game and before you could blink it's 66-64 at home state just that fast. It was a huge Bryce Williams three to, to take the lead. And Oklahoma State, I think, held on to the lead for the remainder of the game. It's amazing what we've seen the last few games. Again, it, it's peaking at the right time. And that's what you want going into March. There's a reason why Oklahoma State in a week has gone from an eight seed to a four seed. We're, we're, that's what we're talking about right now. We're talking about like a top 16 seed in the NCAA tournament for Oklahoma State. And obviously it's led by Cade. 40 on uh, on Saturday, 15 and seven on Monday. Not as great, but I, I mean, there's a reason why Long Kruger is a hell of a coach. He was able to take away Cade's ability to drive to the bucket, which is what he did essentially all game against OU on Monday in, or on Saturday in Norman. But what they didn't oh, account for he- was everybody else showing up for Oklahoma State. Avery Anderson was great in the second half. Struggled a little bit in the first, but he had, I think, like six straight points for Oklahoma State at one point in the second half. Bryce Williams has really found his shooting stroke again from three, and he had he had seven threes combined in the two games. Ronda Walker continues to be a great complimentary piece. Uh, Caleb Boone was awesome on Monday. Not He mm-hmm. kind of struggled a little bit on Saturday, but still provided good minutes. But eight and nine from the field with nine rebounds, 17 points. I'll let you get into your stat in a second, but you're, you're getting good minutes from just about everyone, a, a young, old, whoever. It, and it centers around, you know, when you have a guy like Cade, it helps to, you know, to have someone that draws two every single time he comes on the floor. Cade, I don't, I, he was 0 for 3 shooting in the first half, struggled the entire first half to, to get his offense going. And OU was still accounting two guys to him every single time he came on the floor off a of pick and roll. Whenever he got near the the three point line, there was somebody really close in help, and there were guy and everybody else was was contributing for Oklahoma. Okay, so forgive the awkward pause here. Obviously, uh, we had some technical issues, and Joel lost his audio. Um, I'm not entirely sure where you left off because it froze up. So let's just go with let's hop in with this. Um, a 
going into the Monday game, you you knew that OU was not going to let Cade do to down what he did on Saturday. They're going to double team him. And I think that's what teams are going to do. Like they're going to double team him. They're going to double team him as soon as he gets the ball in his hands and not let him go to the rim. So it's going to be on other guys. The creativity of, of Boynton, and I think we are aware that that is the thing he has. Um, and it's going to rely on other guys hitting shots and making plays. And they did on Monday. That was that was the big thing. Could other guys do it? And they did. They absolutely did. Caleb Boone was eight for nine. Uh, Bryce Williams was three of six from three. Uh, you said, as you mentioned, Avery Anderson put up 11 points. Uh, you got, I mean, Moncrief had nine. Keelan had seven. So you had, uh, you had other people contributing offensively in this game. I think – yeah, I think that Monday kind of, to, to a certain extent, you know, started to dispel that narrative that we've heard all season, you know, from at least a, a national perspective or Twitter warriors or whoever, that yeah. it's Cade and a bunch of scrubs is, is what this team is. And Cade did not have his best offensive game. And really, I mean, OU didn't allow him to. And Oklahoma State was still able to pull out a win against, again, a really good Oklahoma team. Yeah, I, it doesn't change the Oklahoma State beating them twice does not change the fact that they're still really good and mm-hmm. are going to be a you know a five maybe you know a, a five seed at, at best at, you know in the NCAA tournament. So I I hope that that narrative is starting to go away because there are legitimate good college basketball players on this team surrounding a super talented guy in Cade Cunningham. It's not just Cade to a bunch of dudes like there you have you have legitimately good players on this team that are able to contribute in their own way. Even when Cade's not, I don't expect Cade to drop 40 every night. That was a special game that I don't know if we'll ever see again, but, and you can't expect him to either. If that was the case, he would put up 30 shots a night and we would watch Trey Young, like what Trey Young did at OU where that was literally Trey and a bunch of dudes that were nobodies. Correct. But that's also why they started hot and then, you know, probably shouldn't go to the tournament, but they did because Trey Young was on the team. And if not, they didn't finish well. Um, that just tells you how good and, and what kind of player Kate is. And again, it's a young team. It's not scrubs. It's a young team that's getting better and figuring things out um, as the season goes on. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Caleb. He, we talk about a lot of guys, and, we, and, and there's a lot of guys that we've been impressed with that, as they've gone through the season. Avery Anderson continues to get better, continues to improve. Uh, Rondell Walker has his moments. Moncrief has his moments. Bryce Williams has found his shot again. But uh, shouts to, to John Rothstein for, for sharing this one on Twitter. Oklahoma State is 9-1 and this season in games where Caleb Boone scores in double figures. It's 17-9 on Monday. Um, so I started getting curious and wanted to go look at how he's doing this season. And his, you know, one of the one of the sophomores on this team. First 10 games of the season, he had double digits twice uh, against ORU and Oakland. He had 13 against Oakland and, and an 11 against Oral Roberts. Um, as the season progressed, really uh, that road game at Kansas State on January 9th, if you take from that game on, it's 13 games. He had double digits in eight of 13. So he went from two and 10 to eight and 13. His first 10 games, he was averaging 6.4 points per game. Since then, to the next 13 games, 12.4. He's almost doubled his points per game. Now, look, his minutes have gone up. He's taking more shots, that's for sure. But his efficiency is still insane. 
He's shooting 66.2% on the season. He's averaging 9.8 points per game on the season. Like he is potentially going to set the single season field goal percentage record for at Oklahoma state. Um, he is, there's a lot of guys who are on the rise and it's why I'm excited about this team next year after kid goes or whatever happens. Um, these young guys continuing to develop, continuing to grow and getting better and better. Like I think there's a whole lot of guys who are going to be here for as, as seniors. And that's going to be a lot of fun. And I think Keelan oh, yeah. Boone and I think Keelan Boone is, are, are, are both two of those guys. And I mean, I don't, I'm, I mean that not like, Oh, cause they're never going to have a chance in the league. They might, I don't know, but I know this, they're going to keep getting better. And, and Caleb Boone has earned the minute increase he's gotten. I mean, he's double, his last six games. Okay. Let's go with the last six. He had 18 minutes. Here's the minutes per game at Kansas, 18. Kansas State, 24. Iowa State, 24. Texas Tech, 32. At Oklahoma, 22. Oklahoma, 24. Like he's, he's in the game. He's taking shots. He's still hitting them. He's, he's, he's been – I think he's almost become the – and I hate ranking the players on the team. Cade's number one. I, 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 don't, I don't like not having likely because I think he's incredibly important, but they're having to manage without him, and they're doing well doing so. Um, I think Avery Anderson has been incredibly important during this run. But if you go look at the stat leaders in points and rebounds in the games where Cunningham's not the leading scorer since January 12th, it's Boone. Boone's the guy. So when Cade's not leading this team in points, Caleb Boone is. When Moncrief or, or, or isn't leading this team in rebounds, and Cunningham has one in that same stretch, Boone is. I think he might be, and throwing in Rothstein's tweet, I think Caleb Boone might be the second most important player on this team, and he's not the one we talk about, the second most or even the third most or even the fourth most. I, I don't think you're far off from that at all. I think his, his maturation, we saw it toward the end of last season. He really came on and started playing really good basketball for Oklahoma State, and he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year, and he mentioned, yeah, I, you know, I think I'm getting in my hood, own head a little bit. I just need to go out and just keep start, you know, start playing basketball like I know how to play. And it was that Kansas State game where I believe it was the Jacob Unruh article came out that morning. The next day he goes out and has 13 or 14 points, and you could really see the, the switch go off for him. But I want to highlight Bryce Williams. Because over the last two games, he's been lights out offensively. And I, I talked about how Avery Anderson shoved Mac McClung in a locker for 40 minutes of that game. Uh, Bryce Williams did the same thing to Austin Reeves when he was man to man on him for the majority of the first half. And then most of the second half for Oklahoma State went zone for a little while, but that was a fun matchup to watch and being in GIA to see the, the crowd really get into the Austin Reeves, Bryce Williams matchup where Bryce went, I'm going to make you go 94 feet and I'm going to be in your face the entire time. I'm going to clap in your face. I'm going to get in your face. I'm going to talk crap and I'm going to get in your head. And he did. Austin Reeves was not the Austin Reeves that we've seen most of the season for the first half when Bryce Williams was on him for the entirety of the game. It was awesome. And that's kind of stuff GIA loves. That's the kind of stuff Oklahoma State fans love. And it's part of the reason why there's a reason why the entire student section was chanting one more year to Bryce Williams. I now I, I understand and respect his disdain for school because I, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and you know what? I appreciate and respect the honesty. Yes. I get it. 
Uh, and that it's a, but and that it's a difficult, it is, as he's voiced, including in a Jacob Unruh article that came out on Wednesday, it is a difficult decision for him. It seems like he enjoys playing at OSU. He wants to be here. He just hates school. Which, which I mean, that's it's a damn near a 180 from last year where I believe an article came out early on in the year where, like, at Ole Miss, he, like, lost his love for the game, and he was just playing to play. And Mike Boynton has completely flipped that switch for him. And you can see it the way he plays in the offensive and defensive end. Yeah, he's an, and I've talked about this before, he's an Oklahoma State basketball player. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just basketball is different at this school. Like, sure, we love great offensive plays and highlight dunks and, you know, you know, three after three after three. It's awesome. But it's the diving on the floor. It's guarding someone 94 feet. It's making a flying save out of bounds that and taking a charge that Oklahoma State fans appreciate more than most basketball schools. You know, the Blue Bloods, sure they do. But at Oklahoma State, it's just different when you have the history of the program that Oklahoma State does. And he provides all of that. And I'd want to see him for one more year. I think how you add him in with some of the guys that are coming back next year with the Boone Twins and Avery and Rondell and M.A. And it, it makes for a really fun guard-laden team, but a really fun team. Yeah, I- I'll understand if he leaves. I will love if he comes back. Because, again, you think about this team next year. Avery Anderson, I think likely back. Boone Twins, Moncrief, Rondell. Chris Harris, who could finally be healthy, which would be nice. I, uh, I really like Chris Harris. I was really I high do. on him last year. I want him to be healthy. And he had in a help, hopefully a healthy Donovan Williams in year two as well. Correct. And, and there's another one. And then whatever they bring in, because I, like, I don't want to go too far down this road. We have other things to talk about. You're going to probably have, assuming the – scholarship production holds you're going to lose one scholarship a year you'll still probably have two available for next season so but it's that's also tells you how many guys you're going to have come back off the ncaa tournament team assuming the ncaa doesn't they aren't dumb which they are but we'll see what happens it's there's a lot to be excited about um, and there's plenty to be excited about this season. We don't need to talk about next year. This isn't this isn't the last few years. We don't have to talk about next year. We can talk about this year. Two regular season games left. At least two postseason games. Hopefully, many many more. Um, oh yeah. So we still got a good amount of Cowboy basketball ahead of us. Oh yeah, and they play Baylor on Thursday. Most likely, when you are hearing this, and I'm not going to expect Oklahoma State to go and beat Baylor. I, I just – I can't. I think even with the way they're playing right now, and I think a lot of it boils down to just the minutes that Oklahoma State has played the last two games. Kay Cunningham has played 84 of 85 possible minutes in the last two games. Avery Anderson played 42 on, uh, on Saturday, only played 21, but I think he got a little banged up at the end of that game against Oklahoma on Monday. Bryce Williams played 35 minutes on Saturday, and he played 38 on Monday. Rondell Walker played 40 minutes on Saturday, and he played 32 on on Saturday. Played 40 on Saturday, played 32 on Monday. I think just the strain on the legs, and you even add in last Tuesday when they played Texas Tech, Monday or Tuesday when they played Texas Tech. You know, that's that's just a lot of minutes on your legs at the end of the year. And to go in and play a Baylor team that's coming off. Now, that one was an overtime win. I needed about four more overtimes in that Baylor-West Virginia game to feel confident that Oklahoma State can go in and win. Now, that's not me saying Oklahoma State's going to get run out of the gym by Baylor. 
I think Oklahoma State is going to play well. They did without their two of their best players. They did without their guy in Cade. He didn't play in that game. And I think of Oklahoma State, and the thing is, at the end of the season, like neither loss is going to hurt Oklahoma State. They're both quad one going yeah. to Baylor and to West Virginia. You put up a yeah. fight in both of those games. You still feel good about where you're at in your position. You're pretty solidly locked into the four or five spot in the Big 12 tournament, and you go from there, go and see how far you can go. Continue to, to up your seed in the NCAA tournament if you can. But right now, Oklahoma State's locked into a four or five spot in the tournament, and you feel good about where you're at. I, I'm not going to be too worried. I'm not going to put a ton of stock into the next two games. Unless they get absolutely railroaded by either team, then I might get a, I might have a little bit of pause, but I don't foresee that happening either. Yeah, look, you're you're 17 and six overall right now, 10 and six in conference play. You are guaranteed to finish above 500 in conference play for the first time since whatever we say was it 2013. Uh, this smart, smarts here, yeah. This the first year, right? I believe so. Yes, yeah. um, the the thir- yeah, they went 13 and five. Look, this is this is the best season since 2013, where they went 13 and five, got a five seed, had an opportunity to, to have a good postseason, but they instantly screwed them. Um, yes, they did. If you want to know more, you're welcome to DM me and I will explain it to you. Um, you're going to finish about 500 in conference play. You're going to finish with a winning record. You're going to finish with eight quad one wins unless they, you know, assuming they win another one, they still have nine, which is insane because there's only three teams at this point who have eight or more and OSU is one of them. Um, I don't think they fall lower than a six, even if they lose the next two and maybe the opener in the big 12 tournament i don't think they fall past a six seed i don't i know that means that they're going to be they would be 17 and, and nine which is great but you've got too many quality wins and one blemish which is the home loss to tcu all the way back in december right that loss yeah it doesn't look good but you also take into context when those losses happen osu's loss at home to tcu in december doesn't look half as bad as oklahoma's loss at kansas state last week because OU's loss came at the wrong time. Time of year does matter. Committee takes into account when you are playing well. That will benefit Oklahoma State that they're playing as well as they are right now, as long as they stay competitive. Uh, this is this is this is good. It's all it's it's all great from here. The question becomes what do the final standings look like? Because I, I'm I'm really curious what the matchups are in the Big 12 tournament. OSU should be in a spot where they can probably avoid that seven seed. But again, I don't know. Um, if they lose the next two, they'll finish 10 and eight. Texas is nine, six. OU is nine, seven. Texas Tech is eight and seven. Uh, OU and Texas have to play each other. Texas Tech has to play Baylor. There's eight conference games left. I, I haven't even tried to go through all the scenarios. I don't think they end up in the seven seed, which is good because I don't really feel like OSU needs to play a game against Iowa State in Kansas City. I don't think that's beneficial for the resume. Um, just, just if you can win one of these next two, it's icing on the cake. If you can have won the Big Twelve tournament, I, you're looking. At, I think you're looking at a five seed, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I think where they're sit right now is real possibility four or five, depending on how the, the rest of the season goes and. Considering, I mean, like a week ago, they were around that eight nine line. They moved up fast, and I guess three quad one wins in a row really helps that. Obviously, especially in, in quick succession, 
And man, those losses to TCU just suck. But the, man, that, the home loss is the home loss is. is worse. The home loss is worse because it's quad three. Yes. The road loss, quad two. That quad three loss, that one quad three loss at home back in December sucks a lot. But and again, I love people who are like, I don't understand how this team lost to T- lots of TCU. They had two of their worst games in conference play against the same team. And the big man for TCU, which is the one thing OSU doesn't want to face in the tournament, is a quality big man. The big man for TCU had two of his best offensive games against Oklahoma State. Shocker. Yeah, just that's what happened. It's just the way the chips fell. And again, it was a matchup. It was just a matchup problem. Is, yeah, it's just it was just a matchup problem. And you know, I'll chalk him to that and move on. Uh, if the if that was a loss that was going to keep Oklahoma State out of the tournament because they were still an incredibly inconsistent young team, that's one thing. Where they sit right now, I don't worry about those losses anymore because they are solidly in the tournament in a decent position, and we go from there. Yeah. And then it's just about matchups in the tournament. I mean, that's 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 all you're dealing with now is what are the matchups and you hope for. Again, it's going to be weird. Everybody's in Indianapolis. There's no, there's no real. I mean, unless you get a team who's right there, fan capacity is not going to. It's it's going to be interesting. It really is. Um, and there's eight Big Twelve games left to go. Uh, Kansas has a game against UTEP. It doesn't matter. There's eight conference games. Four on Thursday. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Yeah, it's unfortunate OSU has to end with that. Baylor went to West Virginia, but it is what it is. Um, so let's look. Texas Tech has Iowa State at home on Thursday, so they should win that. Texas and Oklahoma face on Thursday, face off on Thursday. So that will affect uh, standings. And then Saturday, you get OSU West Virginia. Sunday, you get Texas at TCU and Texas Tech at Baylor. It feels I, – I, I just don't – I don't foresee OSU falling to the eight. I think – or falling to the, the seven spot. I think four, five, six feels right. It just depends on what other teams do. It's going to be a weird number of games. We'll just see what happens. Yeah, there, there's still a lot of moving parts the rest of the season. Two games left. Again, you know, the loss – you know, what the result doesn't necessarily hurt Oklahoma State, so – well, we'll go from there. There's still a lot that can go can go on here. Uh, we still we have some spring sports to talk about on the other side of this break. Some soccer, baseball, and softball. We will be right back. It's not the short part if no one's drinking. Uh, that's fair. I actually I finished my margarita, so that's where we're at. <laughs> a, a margarita. Ooh, yeah. ooh la la. I mean, it's it's like the pre-ready-made Jose Cuervo stuff that's got like – it's like it's barely 10%. But you know what? It does the job, and that's fine. Hey, you've got a kid now. You don't have time to make your own margarita. You need that shit pre-made, ready to go, straight in the glass, okay? I'm sitting over here with a nice Lost 40 s'more, uh, s'morest queen. It's uh, – I like a meal in a glass. It's quite tasty. So – so is that like is it like tastes like a s'more style or it's the what? idea behind it? Yeah, yeah. I can get behind that. Okay. Graham cracker, chocolate, and marshmallow all in there, buddy. Oh baby, you're you're gonna need to find a way to either send me that or we need to meet up somewhere and you need to bring me that. Uh, the plan is still. I know we're recording. I don't even care. Plan I don't is still care either. for us to be at the uh, the Kansas State game, the Sunday game, the Kansas State series. So I'll uh, I'll do my best to bring it. Uh, Bring a little something. 
bring all, all this right. up. Well, I'll, Help I'll me remember. So well, I, I, I'll have some kind of swap and get you some kind of Oklahoma beer while I'm here that you probably wouldn't be able to get in Arkansas. So I, I, like, it. I like it. Speaking of baseball, sir, uh, the Cowboys are off to their best start in a very long time, 7-0 and after a, a nice shutout win over Missouri State in the midweek. And, and I'm sure you have some – some things you're like, let, let me just look. I watch the games. I'm not a baseball analyst. I'm not going to pretend to be, but uh, Justin Campbell seems pretty awesome. And uh, so does uh, Strand, whose last name I'm not going to try and get properly. Um, those are two guys that I am, uh, I am enjoying watching uh, play for Oklahoma State. Absolutely. Oklahoma State is 7 and 0 on the season. They swept Illinois State. And before you go, well, uh, they absolutely should have. One, Oklahoma State doesn't always play incredibly well in non-conference year in, year out. They, they'll drop games here and there where it, you know, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher. But also, Illinois State is good. They, I believe, la- it was in 2019, almost got out of a really tough regional. I can't remember, they talked about it on one of the ESPN Plus broadcasts. I wish I remember who it was. But they're a team that like, goes to regionals most years. They're, I believe, projected to finish first or second in the Missouri Valley Conference this year. So they're they're a team that's going to be probably in that round of sixty four. So don't don't sleep on the fact that Oklahoma State swept them. That's a that's a good series. You know, Oklahoma State plays some non con that you know you may go really, but a lot of some of these smaller schools are good at baseball, and Illinois State is one of those. They played Grand Canyon this weekend. Who's another one that's pretty solid. But the pitching so far has been great. It, it's been a lot. I believe that's back to back shutouts for Oklahoma State. They won, I believe, 6 nothing on Sunday when I was there. Uh, I would try and remember the score, but I also had about three or four stilly wheats while I was there. So I enjoyed myself in Obrate Stadium. And, man, you need to get out to that stadium, folks. It is special. It is awesome. I will never take for granted going to a baseball game ever again. But you're right, Philip. This team is playing some of their best baseball right now. And I'm not even trying to say they're peaking, you know, peaking now. They're not. They are just a really deep team, both pitching and on the and starting lineup as well. And you mentioned it. Christian Encarnacion Strand is my dude. That's the guy that I think is gonna is popping for this team early. All he does is just hit baseballs hard. It's it's all he does, whether it's an out or not. I'd love to see his barrel percentage because he just – he has a swing that is just meant to crush baseballs. And he did it again, fired up the gap band there in Springfield, Missouri uh, last night. And you get a 5-0 win against another – again, a good Missouri State team that's out of the Missouri Valley, I believe, as well. And, I mean, they're, they're doing what they need to. Pitching, hitting, everything is just working. And even on Monday – or a Friday night, when they play Illinois State and only beat them, you know, two to one or something like that. And it was a Justin Campbell walk off single scoring Dom Thompson. And on a, in a game like that, that wasn't even a game that I, that Oklahoma State were like, why did we only score two runs? Illinois State pitched their ass off. That was, yes, that was a game where they, they threw their best guys to try and steal one on a Friday. There's only you throw, for the most part, you throw your best guy on a Friday in college. And they just pitched really well, and Oklahoma State was kind of unlucky. They, they had a bunch of batted ball events that were just lineouts or a hard ground ball that just resulted in an out, things like that. Finally, they got something to stick when Justin Campbell 
hit that RBI single to score Dom Thompson from first. And then on Saturday and Sunday, the floodgates kind of opened. Illinois State, you know, there, there's a, there was a significant drop-off between their second and third guys. And Oklahoma State was able to, to get the offense going. And they win, I believe it was like 8-2 to two on Saturday. Brock Mathis hit the crap out of the ball, too. I mean, there are so many guys. They, these, this team mashes the ball. And they're going to hit a lot of home runs, which is not something I necessarily expected. They have guys that can hit them like Alex Garcia, Jake Thompson, Kate Gabinus when he really gets into one against a righty. But you're seeing it from Incarnacion Strain. Nolan McClain, who is a true freshman two-way player, he's a pitcher and a hitter, and he's a quarterback on the football team. He's a scholarship quarterback. On the football team, for yeah. those who don't. We've talked and about I, this a couple of times. I, I, I tweeted it uh, yesterday because he hit his second home run of the season. He, he hit a home run on Sunday that had no business being a home run, but it was a home run because the ball was flying out to right. But he's – that dude th- – and here's a baseball term. Here's your baseball term of the day, folks. He takes daddy hacks, which essentially means he swings with bad intention. He swings to hit the ball as hard as he can every single time. And he did. He put a really good swing, hard, aggressive swing on a fastball and hit a line drive out to left field. It it wasn't a a deep fly ball that hung up in the air. No, that ball got out in about three seconds. (laughs) I mean, this team is just fun to watch. They're, They're playing really good ball early. I see no reason why this team can't go win a big 12, a big 12 championship. And, I, I've talked about it before that I try not to take too much stock early in the year because you need a, a big sample size, a bigger sample size in baseball to really get a good idea where this team is at. But where they're at right now with the depth of pitching they have, the depth that they can pull from the starting lineup, and the way they're able to frenzy hit, where they're able to pitch their asses off and get out of danger, what it feels like more often than they should, uh, that's the mark of a good team. That's the mark of a well-coached team that you're able to work the count and get the, the pitch that you need and the pitch to hit and go get it. If not, then you're going to get on base with a walk. And this team walks a lot, which I'm a money ball guy. I'm a huge analytics guy. And I love just dudes that are going to get on base and work the count. And this Oklahoma state team is very good at that from top to bottom. And on the pitching side, you know, Guys that may, you know, that make their own mess are really are able to get out of it. Justin Campbell got in a couple of those. Bryce Osmond, Parker Scott, doesn't matter who it is. The left on base percentage for Oklahoma State is significantly high. I, I need to go back and look at some of these things. I'm going to try and put together a couple of research articles for you guys uh, to either learn about baseball more or for the baseball fan out there that's a nerd like me that wants to learn more. But everything I'm seeing from this team points to a legitimate conference championship type team so a few notes on some of the stuff you said a uh illinois state was picked second in the missouri valley uh, number one was dallas baptist not too shocking very good, very good. Uh, always and um you know usually osu and, and dbu play a home and home during the season it's very common for that to happen dallas baptist is always a good team that, that makes a lot of sense um it seems according to what i'd heard of rex and the chiefs say and i forget which game it was because i'm trying to listen to them and sometimes i'd rather listen to them talk it doesn't line up with the video but i don't care i wish you and dpu had had a a midweek series a home and home later in the season uh, but looking at dallas baptist's schedule 
Um, they're playing four game conference series uh, later in the season and four game series a lot. So they don't have any midweek, they're not playing any midweek games. So obviously those were, those were canceled because, you know, COVID has made the season schedule kind of weird. So they, they were supposed to have played them. They usually do. It's always a really neat home and home because again, Dallas Baptist is a perennial regional team. They've ho- they've been so good. They've hosted regionals before. Uh, the Illinois State picked to, to finish second. So don't, it's not, there's no slouch in Missouri State who they just played. Pick to finish third. Now, you know, it, Missouri Valley is not some like four bid conference, but again, it's it's solid teams. Um, one other note, you mentioned the pitching. They had the, the shutout against Missouri State on Tuesday, the shutout on Sunday, and the in the closer against Illinois State. Total now OSU's given up what 13 runs, which is isn't a small number, but but break it down from there. Take away the six runs. If you look at the, the, the Monday game against Wichita State, they won 14 to six, right? Well, what, take away the one awful inning from Fancel Car or, or Fan Soccer, sorry. I always want to say Fancel Car, it's Fan Soccer. I heard the correct pronunciation where he gave up three and, and one more came in because he left the bases and everybody. He played, he had a really, really tough inning. He did not play well. He rebounded this week against Missouri State, but he had a rough inning on that Monday game. Um, outside of that one four-run four inning for OSU, you take that out. You have a one to Wichita State in the opener, two to Wichita State in that game, two to Little Rock, two to Illinois State in the opener, two to Illinois State in the second game, and none since. No, you're not playing. This isn't Vanderbilt. This isn't Big 12. But we've seen too often, especially early in the season, in, in classic, as we're now saying, Coach Holiday mess around fashion, where he likes to just play with stuff and see what happens. You see OSU have bad defensive performances, poor pitching, give up runs, lose some games. The pitching and the defense so far to start the year, to me, the hitting's been good, the home runs are awesome, but the pitching to me and the defense are the reason OSU has started 7-0 this year. As you said, whether they're playing great teams or not, that hasn't stopped Oklahoma State from losing games early in the year before. So it's an impressive start. It's a really good start. It makes you feel really good because, again, this is still early in the season. Um, teams have had trouble here in the season. You didn't have you know, summer ball. You didn't have um, you, things that baseball players usually get to do, especially pitchers in the offseason, to keep themselves fresh because of COVID. So for them to start as well as they are right now, this isn't peaking. It's just a really good start, and they're only going to get better. It's a really good place for Oklahoma State to be. It's very unusual for them, and it gives me a, a lot of confidence to not only think that they that they really are going to challenge for a Big 12 title this year. I like Texas. I think Texas is good. I think TCU is really good. I think Texas Tech, ignore how they started down there in, uh, in, in Arlington or Dallas. I forget whatever it was. It was so the TCU, Texas, and, and Texas Tech versus Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. Texas Tech went 0-3. Texas went 0-3. It was really bad for the Big 12. Texas, Texas Tech went 0-3. I don't – just ignore that. I, I think they're going to be good. But I do think this Oklahoma State team is a legitimately good team, is going to challenge for a Big 12 title, is going to be good enough to host a regional. I know I've seen the early mock stuff where they're a two seed. I think OSU is going to end up hosting a regional this year. I think this is going to be a really good season. And come on, you, you have to christen O'Brate oh, by hosting a regional. Absolutely. There's no way in hell this team is not going to host a regional and Chris and O'Brate in its first season with a regional team. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, 
I, the mark of a good baseball team earlier that at least shows you sustainable success, which is such a hard thing in baseball because you play so many games, but a team that's able to put up crooked numbers on offense and not allow crooked numbers on defense or pitching wise, which a crooked number is basically anything like you're not allowing multiple runs in an inning crooked number and Oklahoma state frenzy hits. They you're, you're not going to see it runs every inning, but there's going to be about two or three innings during the game where they just put together hit after hit after hit after hit. And it just, it's just infectious up and down the lineup. And they'll put together three or four runs in an inning. You may not see it again until the fifth or sixth. And then they put up two or three more. That's just, I, that's a testament to their ability to work the count, to get their pitch and then to execute. And again, that, that's the mark of a well-coached team, but you know, it doesn't suck having Matt Holiday and Robin Ventura be your freaking hitting coaches. But then on, on the pitching side, Rob Walton's a, he's the wizard. He, he's the wizard for a reason. There's a, that's why they call him what they, uh, they, what they do. And he's ha- he has these guys working right now at a great level. You know, Justin Campbell's impressed me a lot. I really like what I saw him. I mean, when you see a dude that's 6'7", with his extension and his stuff, they're going to be able to get so much out of him. And I'll, I'll call my shot now. That dude's going to be an All-American next year especially if they can get more velocity out of him. He's 90 to 93 right now. I think if he can get up into that 95, 96 range, which I really think he can, if he can learn how to engage his lower half a little bit more, my God, good luck, folks. And especially this season, he's started the midweek game both times. They started Justin Robleski on Friday, and then Parker Scott Saturday, and um, Bryce Osmond Sunday. I don't think Robleski, Scott, Osmond is your weekend rotation as the season goes. I think it's just the way the rotation has fallen. But if Justin Campbell ends up as your midweek starter for the rest of the season, yeah, Oklahoma State's going to win the Big 12 because that guy is a Friday or Saturday starter on most teams because he's that good. There's a lot to like about this team. I I, I agree with you. I think TCU and Tech, I'm not going to worry a ton about it. I'm not as sold on Texas, and the reason I'm not as sold on Texas is the last few years, they always look really good in non-con. And now they played some really tough opponents in Ole Miss, Mississippi State, you know, and Arkansas, you know, two, you know, those are three of the top eight or 10 teams in the country, but they usually will look good non-conference and they just find a way. They just kind of fold in conference play. And it just, it's not as it, they're just not the same. And Oklahoma State swept Texas multiple times in the last couple of years. I, I just don't see it near as much. Now I think Ty Madden, their Friday guy is going to be really good. He's a guy that's going to go in the top 10 of the MLB draft. But other than that, I, I just don't see it yet, but I, you know, more, you know, things can change really quickly in a baseball season, so we'll see. But everything I'm seeing right now with Oklahoma State, and I'm trying not to, to be too much of a homer, but this is a team that's going to really compete and be very good. And we get to see Vanderbilt in a couple weeks, which is a huge litmus test for this team. Whether they win the series or not, which I don't think they will, because Vanderbilt's a freaking wagon. And especially when you have to face Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter in the same weekend. Oh, God. Um, but if they, I mean, if they, even if they lose two out of three against Vanderbilt, if they play well and it's like they lose a five, three game and a, a three to one game or something, you know, feel decent about where they're at. And we can go from there once conference play starts where they're going to get really tested, but Vanderbilt's going to be the first time we'll really go, okay, how truly good is this team? Where are they at right now? Yeah, last comment for me is 
I'm really glad Tuesday's game was on ESPN Plus, but that was because of the Missouri Valley and Oxford OSU. Obviously, it was a road game. Um, that not a single one of these games against Grand Canyon this weekend is apparently on ESPN Plus. That does suck. And we just get the YouTube or the whatever broadcast that has no commentary from OSU, and I have to try and line it up with the radio on my headphones, which doesn't work, and it's a little bit frustrating, is really annoying. Like, I, the, I understand there's a lot of things going on. Season's weird. Yada, 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 yada. Don't care. It's a good Grand Canyon team. It's a Grand Canyon team that won the series against Oklahoma State last year. OSU's been looking for revenge. I don't think OSU sweeps this series. Two and one, yeah. I don't think they sweep it. I think they'll probably drop one somewhere in here. That's okay. This is a good Grand Canyon team. This is a Grand Canyon team that will probably be playing in the postseason. I think they would have last year. Um, It's that that not one of these is available on TV is annoying. Especially because it's at O'Brien, you have the capability. Uh, it just, it, yeah. It's I don't know. Like I don't know if it's just like a contract thing with ESPN Plus. They only have a certain amount of games. They said to pick a series that's not on there or something. Uh, I, I don't know, but yeah, they, it sucks. It, it's an opportunity to, and I, I'm big on the marketing of baseball, whether it's college or pro. And the, this is another opportunity to get your team out there. And I wish that they could. And you know, if nothing else, I'm going to try and get to O'Brien at least once this weekend. You know, this, honestly, the stadium only side down the down the uh, third base line is awesome it's a great view of the ballpark stand there they have a little stand so you, for your your hot dog and your beer it's a good it's a good spot and i'm hoping i can get there again mainly because i need more gap band in my life like when they fired that up when nolan mcclain did that first one it's a good it's a good feeling and it's one of those traditions that makes oklahoma state baseball so great i have a, i have a theory and this is my guess because when you do these espn plus it's it's osu who's basically producing it like it's there, people operating cameras and everything and sitting in the broadcast, ESPN Plus, as I understand it. That's why you have on soccer matches our good friend Anna Beffer doing the commentary, right? It's right. it's OSU providing that. Uh, softball is at home for the first time this season this weekend. Oh, got, that makes um, sense. Doubleheader against Omaha on Friday, doubleheader against New Mexico on Saturday, and a game against Tulsa on Sunday. Well, those – Four of this weekend's five games are on ESPN Plus. So my That'll guess is okay. that the OSU production team is going to be tied up with softball. And if that's the case, if the reason baseball's not on is because softball is getting to be on ESPN Plus instead, we're good. We're good to go. I'm gonna. I won't grab anymore because Speaking I'm, I'm of perfectly our, happy to have the softball team. Our our number nine ranked softball team right now, thirteen and one so far this year. They get their first five games at home. Uh, yeah, this team is really good. Uh, I need to I need to pull some stats. I need to start following them a little bit better, other than just the Twitter updates. But man, they're they're playing really good ball right now. Carrie Everly's been great. Allison Febri's been awesome. They are they're in a really good spot right now. Yeah, look, your only loss was in Baton Rouge to, to at the time the number nine Louisiana team. And by the way, if you depending upon which rankings you are using, let's say we use D1 softball, who I like. It's the D1 baseball softball equivalent. According to them, OSU is number six. Um, and according to their rankings, OSU has beaten number 15, Arkansas. Um, they have two wins over number uh, 11, LSU, and went one and one against number 12, Louisiana. This softball team is darn good. Like it's been a good program as of the last few years. This team is really good. Um, I'm I'm excited 
looking at the schedule, realizing that they are going to be on for the opportunity to watch this team. None of their games have been able to be watched yet. We just had to follow along. Haven't had any ESPN Plus or anything. They haven't been home yet. This is the first games at home. So the opportunity to watch this team on ESPN Plus, I, I will be doing so. I certainly could try and watch that Sunday game against Tulsa. That's, that's good. Tulsa always seems to to give OSU some some trouble in softball. It's a, you know, it's a rivalry. Um, they're home for a while now. So they've got the next six, seven, eight at home, and they have a few games in Oklahoma City. Um, it seems like they got the toughest part of their non-conference schedule out of the way. And to go, what, four and one against their ranked opponents? If they're not putting up OU numbers, OU's stupid. Stupid. Yeah, they're, they're they they put up like two hundred and sixty some runs to like sixteen. They won a game like thirty nine to nothing. So OU's quite good. There's a reason they're number one. But this OU squad is darn good. This is a really good team. This is it. by the way, Texas is ranked eight. Iowa's twentieth. Or say Iowa State's twentieth. <laughs> Iowa uh, Baylor's out of the rankings. The Big Twelve is going to be fun this year. There's going to be some really really good softball to go check out if you are a fan of softball. Um, I enjoy rooting for this team. So it's going to be it's going to be fun, and I'm happy to be able to watch some of the softball games this weekend um, and just listen to baseball on my, on the radio. Yep, and very quickly, Cowgirl softball or Cowgirl softball, Cowgirl soccer started their spring part of their season on Sunday, as Anna Beffer talked about. They won 3-0 against Arkansas Little Rock. They play at St. Louis on Saturday at noon, and that game's on ESPN Plus if you need some soccer in your life. Uh, I do. Good start to their year. And I know I know you do, and I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out uh, before the – I think Oklahoma State plays, like, later in the afternoon. Basketball. Uh, noon. Oh, and basketball. Yeah, yeah. Basketball. Yeah, that's – um. Is it three o'clock ish or something? There you go. It's perfect because soccer is like 45 minutes, 20 minute break, 45 minutes, and you're in and out and time for some basketball. So, yeah. Home opener, win over Little Rock, nice 3 0 win uh, on the road at St. Louis this weekend. You get one game a week, which is easy for soccer. It's not going to do a double game. So, nice Saturday game, noon start at St. Louis. That's a, that'll be a good one to watch on ESPN Plus. Definitely rooting for the cowgirls to keep uh, keep up the what was a really good false start. Continue to go through the spring. Um, it's not a home game, so don't get Beffer. We won't get a Beffer one until that is, that uh, is disappointing. UTEP on March twentieth. Now we get another Bedlam. We do get the second Bedlam game, home game, March twenty seventh. So mark your calendars on ESPN Plus. So if you haven't had the chance to watch a cowgirl soccer game on ESPN Plus yet, March twenty seventh. Good opportunity, 1 o'clock on Saturday, playing OU. Beffer will be, a, be on the call. Give it a shot. I, I, would, I would strongly suggest you do so. Absolutely. Uh, Philip, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, yeah, we do need to touch on real quick just the big recruiting news. Oh, yep. yep. Um, do your thing here. Okay. So at this point, you all are fully aware that Oklahoma State has landed what would be described as their best defensive signee is signed now. Uh, Kendall Daniels, number one ranked player in Oklahoma for the class of 2021. Uh, according to 247, you can use the composite, which is the number five safety in the class, or just 247 straight numbers, which is the number four safety in the class. He's the highest ranked player to sign for Oklahoma State since Herschel Sims in 2011. Now, Sims only played one year 
Now, I, I got it wrong when I said the tweet. I said it's for somebody who actually played. He played a year uh, before he was kicked off the team. If you want to go back to more impactful players, that's a better way to put it, or the best defensive player that Oklahoma State has signed, to go all the way back to the 2007 class um, when they were signed Rashidi Jones and Des Bryant. If you want to get a comp for how long it's been since Oklahoma State has signed a player rated as high by 247. Um, he's such a good piece that it bumped OSU's national standing up nine spots to 30th, which is a good spot for OSU to be in, um, being ranked 30th. This is a – look, he, he decommitted from AM because the guy he liked, who was a, a, an analyst, I believe he is now an assistant coach at Miami, if I remember correctly. There was some talk about Oklahoma, but Oklahoma had reportedly pulled his scholarship uh, when he was going to commit with them last summer. Point is this. I wish you found a way to flip a four-star safety, the number one ranked player in the state, to come to Oklahoma State in their 2021 class. This is a immediate impact guy. Your starters are going to be your starters. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if he finds a way to play in reserve duty. It wouldn't shock me if he is playing on special teams. Um, I want to say two things here. Pay Jim Knowles. Yes. I understand that we are dealing with financial issues in Oklahoma State. Every university is. I, I get it. Um, but Mike Gundy gave back a million dollars worth of his, a year of his contract. Find a little bit of money. Pay Jim Knowles. Don't let him leave. Number two, pay Dan Hammerschmidt. Mm-hmm. He is the safeties coach. And we talk a lot about what the corner is, what, what, what's done at corner. Um, and they do a good job at, at Tim Duffy. Yeah, Tim Duffy at corner. Tim Duffy's the corner. Yeah, Hammersmith says coach safety is Tim Duffy goes to corners. Sorry, it's getting late. Um, Duffy does, does a really good job. I mean, look what we've had the last couple of years with, with Rodarius Williams and A.J. Green. And, and look what we've got coming in taking over next season. Uh, we're talking about all linebackers. The linebackers, how good they are. It's Jim Mills area. We don't talk about, we talk about the safeties, but we never talk about Dan Hammerschmidt. The safety position in Oklahoma State is well coached. They play great. We love them. They just signed Kendall Daniels. And you say, well, it's because I don't care how it happened. You got the number one ranked player in the state to join your 2021 class. Give a lot of props to Dan Hammerschmidt. Give him a ton of props. I wish he was in there at the end when he picked AM. This is something that happens with Oklahoma State all the time. They are in on these guys and they can't finish them because it's really hard to beat Oklahoma and Alabama and AM, teams that have significantly more money to spend on recruiting, teams that can offer things OSU can't. It's hard. Okay. It's it just is. It's just gonna have to deal with it. But that they got this kid who I think is an immediate impact player, who's really, really good whose offer list obviously was A&M, Oklahoma, Alabama, Auburn, uh, Clemson, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Notre Dame, Oregon, USC. Okay. I guess I know those classes were done. And OSU probably to a little bit, kind of left into it. But they got it. And it's huge. And we should be pumped about it and excited about how – what this means for Oklahoma State's defense moving forward. Because if you get him and you keep him and he performs well, these are the kinds of recruits that you land. 
him. Um, his his now former teammate in Vegs in in CJ Brown, who's the running back who's committed for 2022. OSU's put an emphasis on in-state. It's going to be hard to beat Oklahoma for players. Welcome to Oklahoma. Um, but landing kids like this, them playing well, and that spreading through the state can help OSU. So I I don't want to overstate how big this is, but I also think it's okay to kind of gush about it because it's a big deal. Yeah, th- this is a huge deal. When I, I was at work, I just took a, a break real quick and, and I checked my phone and saw that we landed this kid. I was like, oh, because I knew, I knew it was a possibility, but when you still see that Oklahoma and LSU and other schools are on the list and I'm not as plugged into recruiting as you are, I was like, okay, well, it's cool that they're, we're at least in consideration. Didn't actually think we'd land him. But again, like you said, ton of credit goes to Jim Knowles. He puts together a really good defense the last two years, especially last year. And now you add this kid into the safety room with Colby Harville Peel, Tanner McAllister, Trey Sterling, Sean Michael Flanagan, other other guys from this class. Yeah, you're setting yourself up for success for multiple years. And if this kid's as good as they say, then you know it wouldn't surprise me if we see him at some point in the rotation by the middle of the year. I, I bet we see him on special teams. That we see him in those early games against Tulsa and Missouri State, see what he's got, and and go from there. But again, th- this is the type of move that you know is it's good to see. It's encouraging. The Oklahoma State is starting to land guys like this on the recruiting trail. Luck into it however you want. To, I don't care. You you land these kids. I don't care how you get them. It, it matters. And I don't think necessarily that stars matter, but landing just talented kids early on, you know, it, it's a huge – that can play early on is a big deal because, you know, I, I've talked about it in the last couple of times when we've done our recruiting class recap. It's that, okay, it's really cool that we land all these kids. Let's wait – we're going to have to wait like two years to figure out, you know, what all these kids are going to be because none of these kids are going to play. I say kid. I'm 24. They're not kids. They're just younger than me. And, you know, to land a guy – to land, you know, a guy like Daniels – right away tells you they're they're getting impact guys as freshmen which is a big deal we've seen the last couple classes you know either under recruited undervalued guys that are making impacts as freshmen and now to see a high impact guy you know a highly recruited guy now that's likely going to make an impact says a lot where they're headed uh last note that gives osu four of the top seven players in the state for 2021 class they're all on the defensive side of the ball. Kendall Daniels is a safety. Aiden Kelly is a defensive tackle. Colin Oliver is a linebacker. And Ty Williams is a safety. And according to 247, now remember, these are, these are not the composite rankings. These are just 247 straight. Composite is a combination of 247 rivals and ESPN. 247, who I trust more than the composite because I don't trust ESPN's rankings. I don't. I think rivals and, and 247 does a much better job but 247 has all four of those as four stars. If that doesn't get you excited, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know what does. Yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, that, that, it's a big deal. It, it means a lot for where they're at right now. We, we harp on recruiting a lot for Oklahoma State and what they're able to do, what they're not able to do, but to land a guy like this is a, is a huge deal. Uh, 
we'll have, you know, we got a couple of basketball games, more baseball, more softball. We'll have a lot to talk about next week. We'll talk to you all then, hopefully after some big wins and a lot more positive stuff to talk about, just like we've had on this episode. We will talk to you all next week. Oh, hold on. Uh, one plug real quick, if you don't mind. Um, I know I plug my show, the 1012 all the time. If you do listen to it already, great. Thank you. Uh, if not, normally uh, I have Brendan. No. I have Braden Gall of Athlon Sports and Cover 2 Podcast joining the show for Thursday's episode. Uh, we are ranking the Big 12 football jobs, i.e. if every head coaching position in the Big 12 is open today, how would we rank them? Um, that includes Oklahoma State. Uh, I would suggest OSU fans tune in and check out the podcast, the 1012, available everywhere podcasts are available. I think you will enjoy the conversation and the things that are said about OSU. All right. Have a good one, folks. Cheers.